This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 349, recorded on Monday, November the 20th, 2017. How's it going today, Jason? What's new? It is uh, it's adequate today. I think it's it's adequate. How about you? Uh, my day was pretty good, too. I've got a busy week coming up. I'm traveling for work tomorrow to Ottawa, Ontario, and uh, the capital of Canada, and I feel like we're ready to go. So good. I wasn't so sure we'd get there, but... We did. Road trip. Road trip in the mornings are good because you can have a cup of coffee and, uh, you know, read a book if you uh, feel so inclined, as yeah. long as you're not driving. No, I am. We're, we're, we are driving and we're taking the, the the office truck with a big trailer full of stuff attached behind it. I'm not driving because I've never driven a trailer before, although I do intend on learning it, doing a little practice with the office truck someday. Oh, uh, yeah. If uh, Grand Theft Auto has taught you anything, you're going to do awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's where I learned all my trailer <laughs> driving. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's happening. So day was pretty good, but uh, we'll see how the rest of the week goes. Hopefully everything goes swimmingly. Super. Bring yeah. a thermos full of coffee. That's a good idea. Tea. I'm also a tea gives guy. you something to pee in when you need to. If the <laughs> driver refuses to stop. Yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, I did learn a valuable lesson in the last well less half a week or so though, Jason. Do you want to know what mm-hmm. that is? I do, Chris. I do. I, I eager, eagerly await to learn lessons. Learned. It is that people are touchy about what side of the street is the correct side to drive oh, on. Oh, yeah. I made some comments on the last podcast about you the, did. the right side of the street being the correct side of the street. And uh, more than one, more than one person wrote in and, and called me out on that. And they were all... You know, some of them were sort of pretending to be really upset, I think, but most of them were, you know, I think they had a sort of a, a light tone to their, to, to their emails, but <laughs> I'm surprised it was mentioned so much, to be quite honest with you. Right. Well, I was uh, careful myself to stay away from right and wrong and tried to stay uh, towards right and left. But you, on the other hand, just willy-nilly said that it's just weird to drive on the incorrect side of the road, you know, not even committing to that there. Uh, so hopefully I didn't get too much flack that all the flack was yours. No, it was all directed at me and, uh, I'm, I'm happy to take it because, you know, everyone knows the right side is the right side. Why does, uh, why does England drive on the left-hand side? Well, they're not the only place that does No, I know that, but, uh, you know, in Singapore, you know, being a British colony as well. But I, I just, I'm, I think I learned at some point why they switched or why they decided to go on the uh, other side. Cause the, you know, the vehicle was, or the car was invented in North America, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I guess. I'm going to look that up again. I'm sure the YouTube will tell me. It'll, it'll probably, you'll probably learn something from YouTube. Yeah. Japan too drives on the left side though, which I didn't realize. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's. I was in Japan once. I was never, I've never been in Japan, but. I was only in the airport and it was only for like half hour. So you didn't do any driving? No, I did barely. It was like 
middle of the night too. I didn't do anything other than sleep in a chair while the plane was being refreshed. Right. Okay. Well. Refueled, I hope. Anyhow, sorry if I offended anyone, but uh, you know me, I'm just a big jerk from Canada who likes to, <laughs> likes to think we do everything the right way. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's that. Uh, I'll try not to, I'll try to keep my mouth shut about driving on the correct side of the road, but, uh, before we get into season <laughs> You're eight. You're not even going to backpedal. <laughs> You're just going to stop talking about it, right? I'm just going to stop talking. Right, okay. Uh, before we get into the season eight, episode five, I just want to talk about our record your favorite scene contest for season eight really quick and play an entry in it. Uh, if you don't know what this is, the idea is you choose a scene from any season of The Walking Dead and record it with your friends or your family, send it in, and at the end of the year, Jason and I will pick our favorite, and you win a big fancy prize pack, which cool, has cool, some cool. stuff in it. Some Walking Dead hardcovers, you know, the Talking Dead podcast t-shirt, things like that. So, uh, and, and it will fill up as the year goes on. But I'm going to play an entry here. This comes from Adam in uh, sunny Buffalo, New York. We face dire challenge and chance. Our lives... Our way of life, it hangs in the balance. A fragile glass standing on a wire, high above the asphalt, as we pray for not one drop of rain under an overcast sky. And yet, I smile. We will fight, and we will bleed. And yet, I smile. We shall face men, some cornered into their roles by circumstance, some desperate murderers thrilled by blood. We shall end them all, as is our charge this day, as is our sorrow. And yet, I smile. We will leave our loved ones to traverse a dangerous road, rushing out of peace into war. For we will mine glory from the rock of struggle this day. We will honor and protect this, this bastion of life in a land of the dead. And we will win. You trust the king. We will win. I smile. I laugh. I rejoice this day. For on this day we are joined in purpose and vision. We are of a singular heart and mind. On this day, we are one. Thank you, Adam. When I hear that, I smile because it was great. It was great. That was fun. King Ezekiel doing his We Are One speech. So very, very good. That is just one uh, example of the entries we are receiving. So if you want to get one in, record it. Uh, the recording quality doesn't really matter as long as we can make it out because what we're looking for is just enthusiasm, originality, things like that. And uh, get your recording in. You can use your phone and then email it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, Jason, let's dive into Season 8, Episode 5. We don't have a title read this this week. It's funny. Last week we had like five or six, hmm. and this week we do not. So I'm going to rely on you to do the title read this weekend. All right. Well, hey. I was just, uh, I was going to say the internet is fickle. It, it is. It really is. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll do the title read. Here we go. <clears throat> All right. The Big Scary You? Sounds like it was a question. It was a question. What the okay. hell? <laughs> yeah. We learn. We learn. <laughs> we do learn what the U stands for. It's called the big scary U, just the letter, letter U. And uh, let's start with the cold open. One of 
the longest cold opens in the history of the show. I don't know if that's officially a record, but it was it was 15 minutes, maybe more. Wow. It was a long one. So we start with a black screen. We hear Gabriel saying that he might die. And it turns out he's in his church talking to God, saying that he fears a fruitless death and that God gives him purpose. So a little bit of a flashback to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we cut over to Gregory in the sanctuary. Simon brings him breakfast, says he made it himself, some pancakes. pancakes. Yeah. Nice. Very nice breakfast. Simon knows what he's doing in the kitchen along with yep. everywhere else. That wakey wakey, eggs, pancakey. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, and he, he can <laughs> rhyme and everything. Well, we have more rhyming coming later in the episode. We do, actually. That's right. I hope you'll point that out because I'll probably forget. Okay. <laughs> uh, Simon is talking to Gregory and he thanks him for coming to see him. He mentions that Gregory said he came to tell him about the plans, like the plans that Alexandria and all the groups had, and that apparently he could solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So Simon says, well, you know, Gregory, you did the right thing coming to me. But Gregory in the whole scene does look a little nervous. You know, he's, it's, I feel like he's been in this room lying here for a while and kind of doesn't know what's going on and is wondering if he made the right choice. But Simon is pretty nice to him. He, he is, but it's very off-putting the way he's nice to him. Like he, Simon could just turn on a dime and stab him in the side of the head with a big jackknife or something, right? Uh, I, I don't, I, I was a little put ill at ease by Simon's niceness. Yeah. He, he the way he comes off, you you, almost, you don't know what he's got going on in his, in his brain, right? Like he, he could yeah. flip flop at any moment. I totally, I can totally see that with that guy. One, uh, one thing's for sure. He has, uh, uh, some, somebody's providing him with a uh, mustache dye because his hair is kind of graying. And, uh, you know, it's a kind of salt and pepper hair. He's getting a little older, but his mustache is, uh, it's pretty black. Well, maybe, but you know, people's facial beard hair can be different color than their head hair. Well, yeah, no, that, that's absolutely true, but there's no gray. Like there's not a hint of gray. No, I know. But it's, it's definitely, uh, taken care of. I know this because when I had the huge beard, my beard is very red, right? Yeah. And when I shaved that off. Uh, I looked at the pile of beard hair at the same, on the same day I, I gave myself a haircut, right? So I went from like big, bushy, scruffy hair man to a very clean cut man-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man-ish. Man, man-ish, uh, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm glad you put the qualifier on And there. so I looked at the pile of beard hair that I trimmed off next to the pile of head hair and yeah. it's like a totally different color. Oh yeah, mine too. Yeah. My, you know, my, my facial hair tends to, it's on the gray side now. Yeah. But it was uh, mainly on the red side, mm-hmm. whereas my uh, my hair is on the brown side. Yes. But you're... So yes, I, I have that as well. You have a very distinguished gray beard. That's why I like to think. Eventually I'll grow a big beard and then uh, go and portray Santa Clauses, or just one Santa Claus, uh, <laughs> at malls and festivals and things. I figure uh, that's my lot in life. You'll get paid well with the real beard. Oh yeah. No, I'll make a good Santa Claus. Great. I think it'd be fun. I'll come see you. Good. Sit on your lap. You can do that now. <laughs> Tell you what I want for Christmas? All right. Uh-huh. All right, back to the episode. We cut over to Simon at the uh, the meeting with Negan and all his lieutenants, and uh, and everybody else is there, of course. Gregory's talking about how hard it is to manage resources, people, and the unknown, which is the big yeah. scary you. The, 
the big scary you. So uh, there's a couple of things I liked about this uh, about this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing I noticed was uh, when they cut to Negan at the head of the table that he was uh, he was holding Lucille, and the table itself had lots of chew marks in it. And yep. I'm like, yeah, he's going to bang that thing because he bangs that thing a lot. And uh, the two guys at the end of the table, uh, they had their hands on the table, which I thought was a mistake. Like if they know anything, keep your hands away from the banging of the bat on the table. So I thought maybe somebody get their hand banged, but nobody got their hand banged. No, it, was it, who was, you mean the guys right by Negan? Was it Gavin right by Negan, yeah. and, uh, and Dwight? Uh, it was Dwight and Gavin, yeah. That's his but name, they had right, their, Gavin? they had their hands on the table. I'm like, keep your hands away from that chewed up table. Yeah. He's going to bang it because you know that that has happened before. Yeah, I didn't notice the the marks on the table until he banged it once or twice. And then I'm like, look at that. He's been hitting that table over and over again at every meeting they've had. I thought it was a nice touch of detail, you know? Like, so. Yeah, it was a nice touch. And as soon as I, yeah, I, I noticed it right away. I'm like, oh yeah, that table is chewed. <laughs> it's going to get banged. It's going to get hit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Gregory is saying how hard it is to do all these things. And he mentions not like, not enjoying killing people, but Negan responds with that he likes killing people, at least <laughs> the right people and for the right reasons. Yeah. That was a good line. Yeah. Now. Negan says things like the, you know, killing one person to save many people is what they do. And it can be very effective. And at this point, Dwight gets up to go grab a smoke, he says, which is a little interesting. I I don't know that I would stand up in front of Negan and walk out. Negan questions him about it. And Dwight says, you know, I don't need to know the plan. Just tell me what to do, where to go, and I'll make it happen. Oh man, I wish I could do that in a meeting. Like this meeting is a complete waste of my time. Just get up and leave and say, you know, just... Talk about it and let me know what to do Yeah, and it'll get done. Tell me what the outcome is of this stupid conversation and it'll get done. I don't need to sit here and listen to you guys debate it. Man, that'd be great. (laughs) Being able to walk out of a meeting. That would be pretty cool. That would be cool. Someday. 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 (laughs) It's on my wish list. When you're the boss, you can get up and walk out. Yeah, maybe. We go back to Gregory and he's talking about telling his people they have to join the saviors and Negan questions whether Gregory is still in in charge even, and accuses him of playing both sides. At which point Gregory starts stumbling over his words and Simon kind of jumps in for him and says, you know, I believe you, Gregory. Now make Negan believe you. Yeah. Calm down. Everything's fine. Don't lose your shit. (laughs) Yeah. Don't, like, just slow down. Think about what you're saying. And it works because Gregory kind of gets it together at this point. And he says that Maggie took advantage of his generosity, which, you know, is a mistake on his part, but he, what does he say? He let a hen or he let a fox into his hen house. Yeah. Right. And, uh, Simon starts to outline kind of a strong arm plan uh, with the possibility of, of killing everyone. At which point Negan stands up and really starts yelling, and he probably banged the table with Lucille at this point. And did you notice that he fogged up the camera? No, I didn't notice that. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a little bit much. You know how you had blood spatter on the camera at some point? But when he was yelling at the camera, I don't know whether it was a lighting or a glare thing, but it looked like he was fogging up the camera really? with his yelling. You know what? I don't mind that because he's... he's ex- He's expelling so much hot air, and I don't mean that in the in the you know uh, uh, negative way. Like he is really giving it there, and it fogged up, fogged up the camera. That's okay. 
No, it isn't. It is not. It's the same. I, I disagree with it uh, in the same reason that I disagree with the blood on the camera. The camera is not there. It's not, it a- not physically there. It is just a representation of visual mm-hmm. and audio, I guess. But uh, it's just, it's, uh, you know, having the camera get blood on it or having the camera fog up, the lens fog up, means that the camera is physically in the room, which breaks the fourth wall for me. Which, you know, know, in some cases that's good. Yeah. In some cases, bad. In this case, bad. I don't know, man. I, I The blood splatter thing... I, it bugs me when they do it too much. If it's every once in a while, I don't mind too much. Fogging up the camera by yelling. Again, I don't know if I've ever seen that before, at least not on this show. So I don't mind it. As, again, as long as they do, don't do it all the time. And I saw it once on Bugs Bunny. <laughs> is it okay there? Yeah, breaking the fourth wall for comedic reasons, fine. Breaking it in drama, I'm not so much okay with. Sure. I, I can see that. Anyways, I didn't notice it, so uh, maybe that's probably why I didn't didn't bother me. But Negan is yelling about people being a resource and how people are like the foundation of what they're building here. And uh, he asks Simon, are we backsliding? And Simon's like, no, 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 we're not backsliding. But I, I don't exactly know what he meant there. Like backsliding means like, I guess, going backwards instead of forwards but was he referring to something specific like moving back to something or a state of being they used to be in well yes well not specifically but in general like he wants his uh his community to move forward or what he perceives as a community he wants to keep moving forward towards this uh ideal state of perfection that he sees in his mind's eye and he doesn't want to backslide if they start backsliding then they got to I don't know, do something to stop it. Uh, so I, I think just in general, he doesn't want to, uh, you know, go into a state of more chaos. He wants to be, be in more control than that. Right. Okay. And, and so in this specific scenario where he's saying that people are the resources, you know, they're the foundation of what we're doing here. And as it relates to um, whatever Simon was saying about, you know, possibly killing everyone, he's just like, we don't want to kill everyone. We want to make them join us. Right. We don't want to backslide and, and get rid of the people. We need more people. Right. Because frankly, they're losing a lot of people. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, now, Negan says that plan A is to take Rick, the widow, and King Assface, he calls him, mm-hmm. <laughs> take them alive, and then kill them the right way, which what Negan means is if they're going to die, they're going to die for a purpose, and that purpose will benefit us. And right. it will... It will, the purpose will be to bring all of their followers in line with us and make them do what we want. So that's what he means by killing people the right way so that, you know, we're not just killing them for random, you know, reasons that don't make any sense, at least the way he sees things. Uh, And as he's saying this, they hear the gunfire outside, which is Rick and everybody showing up at the sanctuary. the The four shots. That's right. I thought that was really well, well done. I thought that was a really nice injection of timing into this uh, into this meeting. And then when he comes out, I was like, oh, as soon as it happened, I'm like, yeah, they were in a meeting. That's awesome. It was actually. He wasn't just taking a dump like I thought. He was in an actual <laughs> meeting around a table and everything. Yeah, it's that's right. So Negan gets up and looks out the window and he sees the armor on the cars. He calls it hillbilly armor. And he decides that they'd be wasting bullets by shooting at them. So we're going to go outside and have a chat. And uh, we see them all walk out of the sanctuary. 
from the inside this time. Yep. So same scene, different uh, perspective. It was really nice. I, th- I thought this was really well done. Me too. I, I really liked it. Frankly, I really enjoyed this scene. I thought the lieutenants sitting around at this meeting and then the, we- the way Negan kind of lost it on them, uh, really effective. I, f- I found it fascinating, to be honest. I think it was really well mm-hmm. done too. Now we fade down to black and we fade back up and it's Gabe and Negan in the trailer. So we've come back to this and uh, Negan sort of jumps Gabriel and takes his weapons. And he says that Gabe made the right choice and helps him into a sitting position. And, And then there's a slow fade, which to me indicated a bunch of time had passed, right? So they've been sitting there for a while now. Yeah. Right. And they start to talk about how Rick gets people killed, whereas Negan just kills people. <laughs> well, that's... Yeah. There's a distinction there. There is a distinction there, but it's uh, it's splitting hairs. Like, it's not his fault that he's killing people. Like, Rick, it's Rick's fault that I had to kill, uh, you know, Glenn and Abraham. He's not accepting any responsibility what's, whatsoever. No, but that's what he's saying. Like, you know, Rick does things that gets people killed. I only kill people when it's absolutely necessary or, you know, to make a really good point. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. I, I see what you mean. Except but... from the last four episodes or so where, you know, Rick is spending a lot of time directly killing people. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But Negan would argue that Rick, by doing that, is dooming all of his followers the rest of his people because Negan's going to strike back and take them all out and that'll be necessary at that point. And you could also argue that if Negan wasn't such a dick face that uh, Rick wouldn't have to kill all of those uh, saviors and therefore it's Negan's fault that these saviors are being killed. Absolutely. It's all, it's all a matter of perspective. And you just and, take it back farther one step and you yeah, can blame everybody. You can everybody. split hairs all you want but everybody's a you know killing. Everyone other, is a f- other folks. Everyone's a killing machine at this point yeah. yeah. Uh, now Negan asks Gabriel why he stopped for Gregory out there and Gabe reiterates that he doesn't want a fruitless death, or at least this calls back to the very opening scene where he's in the church and he figures there must be a reason for, uh, for he, you know, for him doing what he did. And he realizes that he must be there stuck in the trailer with Negan to take his confession. (laughs) Yeah, that just... (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah that makes perfect sense sure why not but here we are at the opening credits finally we're over 15 minutes into the episode and uh i had almost forgot by this point that we hadn't seen opening credits because i was i was engaged in this episode so far i've really enjoyed everything we've seen yeah we've uh, and uh, the cold open like you say it's the longest one that i can recall and we've actually had uh what three three and a half distinct scenes yeah. In the, before the cold open, they could have done the cold open right after the initial Gabriel in the church or right before the, uh, you know, after Gabriel in the church and after Simon talking to uh, Gregory, they could have done the cold open then and then gone right into the meeting. So I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what, why the cold open is so long, but, but if, it's interesting. It felt right. I thought it felt right to me. Like, you know, all this stuff is kind of related. We were, we're, we're introduced to what was going on right before the Alexandrians and everybody attacked. And we are introduced or we're, yeah, we're, we start to see what happens after the attack with the two of them in the trailer. Right. And, uh, and that scene with Simon and, and Gregory and the pancakes was 
just sort of part of the meeting leading up to the meeting, you know, what, what Gregory was doing there. So I thought it all worked really well together. And, and like I said, I'd kind of forgot that we didn't see credits and I thought we were just into the episode and then, right. oh yeah, we haven't seen this yet. Interesting. No, you're, you're right. I mean, everything before the, the, uh, the credits was, uh, what happened before we get up to speed. Like now that uh, the credits have happened, we're up to speed. We're up to the present moment, right? We have all the preamble before, uh, Rick and the gang do the four shots Yep, with their hillbilly armor Yeah, out front. And then we have, uh, you know, we know that, um, that Father Gabe and Negan are in that trailer or can or box or whatever the hell they're in. Uh, they're in there, uh, but time ha- we know time has passed since they started out in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've had that time and the cold open kind of indicates that, uh, okay, we're all caught up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's move on. Well, after the opening credits, we don't go back to any of those storylines. Instead, we come back to Rick and Daryl and they are talking to the driver of the truck that Rick threw out on the ground. So when we weren't clear last week on the feedback episode about why they decided to go down the hill to see if he's still alive, I guess they didn't go down the hill. I guess they turned around, walked back along the road a little bit to find out if he was still alive lying on the side of the street there. Yeah. So it was a little confusing last week, but I guess it makes sense now. Uh, Anyways, they find the guy. He's badly injured. He's bleeding from his stomach, of course, because Rick stabbed him in the stomach. And they ask him about his people at the chemical plant. He says they're all dead except the king, the axe man, and the short-haired psycho lady. So those aren't Mm -hmm. even his people. Those are the people who attacked him. Yep. Uh, But that's who he says are still alive. And then he dies and Rick stabs him in the head. So he's dead now. Wasn't dead before, but he is now. Double dead. That's right. Then we go back to Negan and Gabe. And uh, Negan says they're going to wait it out a bit, see if his people can figure it out. uh, You know, what to do while he's in there or how to get them out. He says that if they think he's dead, a lot of people will die in the sanctuary. Because I guess Mm. he figures they're not going to know what to do without him or it's going to descend into chaos. Um, But he goes on to say he has nothing to confess and asks Father Gabe why he became a priest. And his answer is to bring God to the, to bring God and people together and help them through their weaknesses, which Negan says is the same thing I do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just help people through their weaknesses. And... He doesn't really explain at this point, but the zombie sounds that are surrounding the place seem to me to get a little louder, and Negan starts his trademark whistling. Yep. He had to remind... them up. That's right. He had to remind us in this scene that they were whistlers, so we understood what was happening later. Yep. Uh, Now, inside, the lieutenants are meeting in the room, and Regina says that they have to assume Negan is dead, but Simon questions whether she's still Negan. He says, I'm Negan. Are you? Is there anything you want to talk about right now? And uh, Regina has this plan. She says they should send out the workers, you know, so the people that are down on the bottom floor doing all the work for them, send them out to clear the zombies. But Eugene cuts in, says it'll never work. There are too many. And she wants to use the workers as a distraction so they can get a small team out. But again, Eugene says it would just, they'd get overrun. It would never work and it would lead to unrest. And at this point, Dwight agrees with Eugene because he's there too and he agrees with them. And Gavin says they need to deal with the fact that they must have a traitor in their midst. That's more important than anything else at this moment. 
All very uh, full of intrigue. It is. Yeah, it's there's a lot of intrigue going on here. Um, and Dwight kind of asserts himself against Simon here a little bit. You know, he speaks up and uh, Simon comes over to him menacingly, but then agrees and says they're going to find the traitor and kill him while mm. staring at Eugene. <laughs> well, nobody trusts Eugene. Like Eugene's like definitely come over from the other side, right? Well, he absolutely has. There's no, there's no doubting that, but I, you know, I get it. I mean, if you're going to suspect someone's a traitor, why wouldn't you first suspect Eugene? He's the newest guy. He's been handed the keys to the kingdom by Negan and he used to be on the other side. So yeah, he's suspect numero uno. Uh, after a commercial break, we get Eugene, he comes to see Dwight in his room and he's come to thank Dwight for sticking up for him. And, uh, he brought him some pickles to thank him. Nice. Big jar of pickles. Yeah. Well, you know, I would accept an apology for anyone if they were holding pickles for me. It's the perfect gift. It really is. Everyone loves pickles, right? I assume so. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> Why wouldn't they? Uh, now Eugene sits down and touches one of Dwight's little figurines. I guess they're maybe chess pieces and he gets some red paint on his finger cause it's not dry. And before he leaves, Eugene says he gets why he's obviously the number one suspect. And again, he thanks Dwight for having his back. Right. The way he says it, having his six. That's right. It's behind you. That's right. Six o'clock. There you go. Uh, right. Uh, Father Gabe and Negan again. Gabe asks about Negan's past and he says he used to help kids by showing them the way. Uh, not just kids, he says, but everybody is weak and Gabe accuses him of being weak, but Negan says he is, but not for the reason you think. Mm. Right. And, uh, he claims to also be very strong and he says that everybody's a mix. Uh, now I've, you know, before we go on, I've, I have to admit, I was really also enjoying these conversations between Father Gabe and Negan. I thought they were, both actors did a great job and they just felt kind of, uh, they felt kind of natural to me. But the thing I liked the most is, I think in this episode, we got more of a glimpse into Negan as a character, as a human being than we have so far since he's been introduced. So... I agree with you 100% that I was expecting to, oh, you know, I knew this, these scenes were coming, that it would just be uh, Negan and Father Gabe in this, uh, whatever this, this room is Pretty surrounded large. by zombies. Yeah. And we're going to get uh, a whole bunch of uh, conversation between the two. And I was expecting it to be all kind of, uh, well, it started off with, are you wearing your shit and pants? Because mm -hmm. it's pants shit and time. And it's just like, oh, if that's the level of conversation we're going to have, this is going to be torturous. But it absolutely was not. And I was very happy that Negan didn't repeat those words. Yeah. Uh, which I thought maybe would happen. So it didn't repeat, which is good. Maybe uh, maybe the uh, uh, they saw that the internet didn't like that and maybe they felt bad about putting it in. They're like, well, you know what? We should take this back to editing and just kind of tweak that a little bit. Yeah. Nothing was as bad as that line, in my opinion. And and and, and all of it was a lot better. And yeah. the, the other thing is, though, the, the line, are you wearing your shitting pants, doesn't even really relate to anything that happens after it. <laughs> Right. No. He's like, he's kind of trying to say you're stuck in here with me, or at least that's what I took away from it. You're stuck in here with me. So you better be scared. I know there's, 
like a giant herd of zombies all around us. Like you got to be scared about that. But it doesn't relate to anything they talk about in this episode. And I think that was the right decision. <laughs> yeah. And as you said, they upped the level of dialogue a lot for these conversations. I really enjoyed it. I really, uh, I like this conversation. I do agree with you that we got to see uh, Negan more as a human being, which I don't think we should have gotten. But that's just my opinion that we, I didn't want to have any of Negan's backstory. I didn't want him to have a reason for doing any of this. I just wanted him, him to be that guy. You know, like the oh, Joker. Man. We don't know the Joker's background. Ultimately, we he just shows up and wreaks havoc. See, that's what I wanted Negan to be. I don't know. See, I like this a lot better. I think that I, I just I feel like I, I you know maybe don't necessarily quite understand why he's the way he is, but we'll, we can get to it at, at the end a little bit more. But I just like knowing more about the guy, and I've thought Negan is so comical leading up to this point. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about, you know, goofy Negan and goofy Ezekiel and why one works and one doesn't. But yeah. I feel like it worked so much better here. And I have a theory. <laughs> okay. Number, well, it, basically I think Negan one-on-one with other characters works better than when he's standing in front of a group and he's swaggering around and doing his thing. Because yeah. when you think back, you know, he was great in this scene and I think my second favorite or the last time I liked Negan in a scene or thought it was really effective was when he was alone with Carl sitting there. And at that point, I feel like we got a little bit more insight into him as well, not just the character of Negan that this guy is playing. So, so it's, it's one-on-one, but I also feel like it might be when he's sitting down, I can take it more seriously. <laughs> Think about it. When he's standing up, he does that like hip forward thing and he's moving around and, and it, it, it doesn't work. But when he was sitting down in the meeting, that was the first time I found him maybe since the original introduction at the end of season six. But in the meeting with the lieutenants, I think that was the first time I really found him menacing. When he bangs Lucille on the table and gets up and starts yelling at them, I was like, holy shit, this guy is, this guy is bad. He is serious. And I'm afraid of him at this moment. Yeah. Right. Well, I agree with you. I think the, uh, the dividing line is sitting down. It's when he's sitting down, I can take him seriously. When he's standing up, I have trouble. He spent a lot of the time sitting down in the trailer talking to Gabe. Now they yep. got up and walked around a little bit, but he was in such a confined space. I don't think he had room to, to do his shtick. So I think it comes to one-on-one conversations and sitting down versus standing up. Right. And so it works. Good work. So yeah. So keep Negan sitting down. It'll be better. Anyways, to go on, we do learn a little bit more about him here. He, he says that, uh, when he took this place, it was a free for all. So talking about the sanctuary, he says the last guy wasn't in charge of shit and Negan came in and he doesn't allow people to be weak. He says he made them strong and he makes the world strong. And then he says that he's going to make Gabriel his new project, going to make him strong. And uh, Gabe still wants to know why why Negan is weak, though, and what he means by, you know, I'm weak, but not for the reasons you think. So he used the phrase special purpose. Is that what he said? That's what he said. We're going to find your special purpose. Okay. And I just, I couldn't help but laugh and laugh because you've seen The Jerk, right? Steve yep. Martin? Oh, yeah. Bernadette Peters? Uh 
when he got together with Bernadette Peters, she said, my dad always wanted me to find a man with a special purpose. And Steve Martin goes, special purpose? I have a special purpose. My mom told me I have a special purpose and I have... He's talking about his penis. Right. So that's what I think of every time anybody ever uses the phrase special purpose. So they used it and I thought it was hilarious. And it was funny, yeah. I didn't pick up on that, but... Uh... It, it, Jerk's it like my funny. favorite movie of all time. Go watch The Jerk. Everybody, take some time. Go watch The Jerk. The it, full version of, not the TV version. They cut out all the good stuff in the TV version. <laughs> yeah, it is a good movie. I like it. I put it on every once in a while. You know, I put on Airplane last week, one night. Yeah. We needed something to put on. Oh my God, that movie's funny too, dude. <laughs> I really, really enjoy that movie. Good old Airplane. What do you make of this? Oh, you make a brooch or a hat. Return actor. <laughs> Such a good movie. So good. And you know who's in it? Um, uh, Ermintrout, Mike Ermintrout from Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. He's got a yep. little part in there whose real name I can't remember. Anyways, um, Gabe wants to know why we, Negan is weak. He says they'll probably be dead soon, so he might as well confess what makes him weak. And he starts giving him suggestions like maybe the slaves, all the workers that you have, or, you know, you, I'm going to call them slaves. Or maybe his wives, all the wives he has. But Negan has an answer for everything, you know, saying they're not slaves and, you know, all the wives made their choice and so on. You can uh, coerce choices that aren't actually choices. Of course. And convince yourself that they're, you know, they made their choices. Like, I don't know if they actually had a choice. No, of course. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is Negan has an answer for everything. He's like, I'm not weak or I don't need to confess because I have slaves or many wives. That's not what makes me weak. Uh, and But as he's talking, Gabe is walking up behind him. And when he gets close enough, he grabs the gun from his belt. Yep. And actually takes a shot, but Negan spins around too fast and knocks the gun off. And uh, so Gabe misses, of course, and he runs into the other room, which I think is a bedroom, and closes the door. So he tried, he tried, he tried to take a shot against Negan, but failed. Okay, so what is this structure that they're in? I think it's like a, like a trailer, like a, uh, an RV, but like... Is it made out of RV materials? Because if it's made out of RV materials, we saw what happens to RVs when zombies try and get in them. They just break apart, right? Well, are you, which RV are you referring to? I'm referring to the RV in uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. Right. They made that barrier of RVs. Right. They had enough zombies, they just pushed them over and broke them apart. Yeah. So we have a herd of zombies. Yes, we do. We have lots. Okay. We have an RV. Yes. RVs are made out of the cheapest, uh, thinnest material that they can get away with that still can, you know, technically called a structure. According to the show, I guess. Yeah. Well, no, just in general, they're not the strongest materials. Okay. They're out of the strongest materials. Yeah. They're technically a structure, but they're not going to hold up to any kind of uh, destructive force, right? Like a tornado, for example. Well, no, probably Tornadoes not. hate trailers. <laughs> sure. But, uh, okay, so... Uh, the zombies could totally get into this building and they do, you know, when they, you know, Negan riles them up. And so they start breaking through all the kind of thing. And then Father Gabe goes and hides in the be- in the bedroom. It's like, okay, first of all, there's a door. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, usually trailers have those, uh, you know, plastic curtains. Uh, but the door is probably, even in houses, interior doors are not the strongest things in the world. I mean, older houses have actual wood, but some of them have like cardboard with like foam in between. And you could just basically put your hands through and then mm-hmm. pull the door uh, apart yeah, yeah. with your bare hands. Yep. 
it strikes me as this is one of those kinds of buildings that if Negan wanted to get through that door, he'd just be like, okay, rip the door off the hinges and uh, have at it. He could, but but don't forget, Gabe has a gun in there, right? So you rip the door off. You're going to be distracted doing that. That gives him plenty of time to take a couple shots at you. So, oh, Negan's not afraid of, he, uh, you know, a priest with a gun. Well, I, he may not be afraid of him, but he's not an idiot. Like, he's not just going to open and stand in the door frame. It's like he's just begging to get shot then. So... I think he lets them run into there, run in there, and they have a conversation through the door for a little while. Yeah. Um, but okay. you're, but you're right. Zombies are coming in. They're breaking into the place a little bit, and uh, they're going to have to do something about that soon. But we go to a commercial, and when we come back, well, we come back into really the only scene in this episode that I absolutely friggin' hated, um, and it's uh, Rick and Daryl looking through the wreckage of the truck. They're looking for stuff. They take. Uh, a weapons crate down, they open it and they find a bunch of dynamite in there. Yep. <laughs> Which I wrote down as dynamite. Put an O in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, Daryl starts packing up and he is packing it into a backpack and says he's going to blow a hole in the sanctuary wall and let the walkers flood in. But Rick says, no, they have workers and families in there, right? We can't do that. Uh, Rick's, Rick is thinking that doing this will turn them into fighters which I thought was interesting. He wasn't too concerned about their safety. He was like, if we sick these zombies on them, it's going to turn them into fighters. And then that, that'll be too much for us to defend against, which I thought right. was a strange approach. I, I assumed he uh, was like, no, 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 we can't kill those innocent people. They're just there working and doing stuff. Um, he also mentions that they don't have the kingdom anymore, which right. I guess is true because all of the kingdom's soldiers got shot in the last mm -hmm. episode but how does rick know this already the guy told him the guy on the uh on the ground he oh. said he killed all those people right of course <laughs> the guy told him you're right absolutely that's why that whole scene was there i yeah. was thinking how does rick know this he came from one place on the motorcycle they immediately followed the truck but you're right the guy told him good makes sense makes perfect sense question answered good awesome. Uh, anyways, so Daryl is adamant about doing this. He's saying, this is what we have to do. Rick refuses, said, no, we have a plan. We have to stick to it. And they end up having a fist fight about it. Yeah. So it descends into a fight. Now, before we talk about that more, we get a quick scene of Eugene playing uh, the boxing game on his Atari 2600. And the power, times. power goes out or Aww. was shut off, goes out. We don't know at this point. We immediately go back to Rick and Daryl. They're fighting. Uh, Rick th takes the backpack, throws the dynamite away, throws the backpack away full of dynamite towards the truck. And Daryl gets him in a chokehold. The truck lights on fire behind them. Uh, and they realize this. So they get up, run away as it explodes. And then they sit there kind of goofily looking at the fire. So we need to yeah. talk about Rick and Daryl coming to blows. If you will recall... I wasn't a huge fan of Morgan Jesus having a fight a few episodes ago. I do recall. But this scene, to me, makes the Morgan and Jesus fight seem completely plausible and okay <laughs> compared to what these two idiots were doing. Okay, why? Why does that make it that okay? I'm not saying that that's okay, but uh, uh, explain. Show your work. What I'm saying is I don't buy for one fraction of a second that Rick and Daryl would would physically fight over this. Whereas with Negan, sorry, with, with Morgan 
and Jesus, they don't know each other that well. You know, they haven't known each other for since the beginning for years. Right. So they have a difference of opinion. One of them has shown tendencies to be a little nut job all the time. And he initiated the fight. And then Jesus never really engaged in it. He was just defending himself the whole time. So it kind of makes sense, even though I didn't love it at the time. This fight, we've got two characters who are like brothers. They've called each other that. I'm not saying brothers don't fight, but they have a plan. They're doing it. And then in this scene, they, you know, they have a minor disagreement and immediately come to blows. And I felt like, didn't we just see this? Two people on the same side having a fist fight over something questionable at best. Um, and then the way the truck just exploded and that's what ended it. And they sat there looking at the truck like, God, you know, this is stupid. I felt the same way. I felt like it was stupid and it didn't need to be there. Um, and then on top of all that, this means that all the guns and the weapons that were in that truck just exploded and they lost everything that they've spent the last four episodes trying to get, right? So what was the oh, yeah. point of all of that? And then, they, and then it comes down to these two friggin' morons who have just completed their mission and got the guns they wanted, having a fight, blowing up the truck, and wasting it all. Well, it was ultimately a waste of time, but I think that it, uh, it was motivation which was important for moving the plot forward but that's stupid i mean there's got to be better ways to <laughs> well you do don't this. have to win all the time right i mean having the uh winning the the big guns uh and the dynamite and the c4 that was in there and the 50 caliber penis gun that i assume is still on the back of the truck mm -hmm. uh you know having all of that would be you know a huge unfair advantage uh on their side so we had to get rid of it somehow that, that is the dumbest thing ever. Like, we spent four episodes trying to get these weapons. This is the whole point of what they were doing. And then they get them, and these two guys have a fist fight and ruin the whole thing in oh, 20 seconds. It wasn't their fault. No, when we, uh, when we first were walking down the hill seeing the, uh, the truck, there was uh, diesel or gasoline leaking out of the tank. I saw okay, that I too. assume it was diesel. Yeah. Right? So it, in throwing dynamite does not start a fire. No. Dynamite does not start fires. It's concussion, right? It, it blows shit up, but it does not start fires. So throwing the bag of dynamite would not start a fire. I know. The, the fire started by itself, but then the dynamite exploded because it was there near the fire is what I took away well, from it. There was also, you know, lots of wooden crates full of ammunition, right? Sure. So that's, that shit explodes. You, you know, have you ever, you've never, uh, you know, had a handful of ammunition and sitting around a campfire and threw it into the fire? No. Have you ever done that? I'm not an idiot. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, exactly. So when you do that, I mean, it's not going to go off like a regular shot. Like when the, uh, you put the casing into the, into the, into the chamber, uh, and you hit the firing pin, the, uh, the metal of the barrel, the beginning of the barrel, uh, holds the, the round together so that the explosion only goes in one direction. Whereas if you throw a round in a fire and the uh, uh, the gunpowder cooks off, it's going to cook off in all directions. The shot is not going to come out the same kind of speed as if you'd fired it from a gun, but you're going to get an explosion. You're going to get powder burning, powder flying all over the place, and shrapnel and all this stuff. So the fact that they're near that stuff is, uh, is stupid. Like, they should have run for cover because that's a dangerous situation. Yep. The dynamite wouldn't necessarily have caused that explosion. It could have been the ammunition uh, in those crates. 
Yeah, I know. It could be, it could have been other things. It could have been the gas tank exploding, right? Although I've heard that gas tank, ex- blowing up a gas tank is a lot harder in real life than it seems in movies, but... And if it was, most likely this truck was diesel, and diesel doesn't burn like that. You need pressure and right. uh, fire for diesel to burn, right. so... Well... Uh, I don't know what caused that fire and I don't know what caused that explosion is essentially what I'm saying. Here. Okay. It's not necessarily the dynamite because it couldn't have done, uh, it couldn't have caused the fire, but it could have caused the explosion once the fire started for some right, reason. Right. Well, fair enough. I mean, I don't know exactly the, what caused the explosion and the fire and so on, but I didn't like the fight. I didn't like what this scene sort of did for either of them. It almost ended on a comedic way with the looks on their faces sitting at the end there after watching it blow up. It's like they should have been more at the very least more concerned with what just happened. Like they just all the, the 50 cal guns that they were trying to get and they successfully did. Uh, they just lost like all the kingdom people just died for no reason because they just, these two idiots punched each other for a minute and and lost everything that they were working for. So, well, boys will be boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> idiots will be idiots, I think. So, and and then just to take it all back to the beginning, I don't believe that these two characters would come to blows so easily. You know, it's Daryl's like, I want to do something. Rick says, no, Rick has good points. And frankly, Daryl has good points. He's like, you know what? We can really strike a death blow against them with this stuff. I get it. There are innocent people in there. They would have talked about it a little more. There's no immediate danger to them at that moment. You know, it's not like the saviors are coming and going to retaliate in the next 20 minutes. They had some time, but no, Daryl turns around and punches them and, uh, they, they fight. So it didn't work for me at all. Brothers, you know, fight sometimes for irrational reasons. I'm sure you've had arguments with your sister for no reason whatsoever. I'm not sure if they've ever come to blows when you were younger, but you get frustrated just because you're hungry or it's hot out or you're tired. You know, it's been a long day for them. So, you know, a little spat every now and again to blow off steam. This might have happened a hundred times between these two, but we've never seen it because it wasn't important to the plot. Whereas this time it was important to the plot. So we kind of saw it and they know what it is. It's just... It's not really dangerous. It's just them blowing off a little steam. It just happened to cause an explosion in this case. Sure. Well, if which is if, why the camera caught it. If this happens, if this happens all the time, that's something we need to know about these two characters. Not just have it come out of the blue like this. Yeah, they're just blowing off a little steam. All it's, right. You know, it's been a long, frustrating day where you know deaths have happened and uh, you know jumping from Rick had to jump from one car to another. Although, all uh. uh Indiana Jones. Right. I get it. That's got to be frustrating for him because uh, he doesn't have his hat. (laughs) Yes. Uh, No, he doesn't have his hat. No. Anyways. So if he had his hat, that would be a lot more satisfying, I'm sure. I guess so. I just didn't like it, but let's move on. I'm curious to find out what listeners, how listeners feel about this whole scene. We'll we'll get into that, I guess, later on this week. So we have a commercial break. We come back and we're still with these two guys. Rick is trying to start his Jeep, but it's dead. Daryl rides up on the motorcycle and uh, Rick reiterates now that they have a plan and they have to see it through. But Daryl says, yeah, but we got to win. And Rick agrees. And this is kind of what I mean by like, both of them have good points and both of them need to understand that and respect each other a little more. Yeah. And first of all, you're damn right that Jeep doesn't start. It took 50 cal rounds to the engine block. 
That oh. sucker ain't starting anymore. No, of course. That, that thing For, is done. Yeah. And it's all a circular argument, right? It's like, well, we got to stick to the plan. Yeah, but we got to win. It's like, what does that have to do with the plan? Like, yeah, we, we, we got to go in, of course. Of but course. We got to stick with the plan. Yeah, but we got to win. Right. But Daryl's saying we got to change the plan and we could, we could move the winning up a little bit if we do this. Yeah, well, he should use his words then. He should probably, yeah. Uh, but anyways, Rick's, Rick says the chokehold's illegal, asshole. And Daryl agrees because he had him in a chokehold. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Rick says that he's walking to do the last play, I think is what he says, because he doesn't have a Jeep anymore. Uh, Daryl asks, are you sure about doing it? Rick says yes. And they walk and then drive off in opposite directions. So they're not going to have any more fist fights in the immediate future because they've gone their own ways. No, but Daryl might turn around and run him over. Oh, he might. He might. Uh, back to Negan and Gabe. Negan is talking through the door to Gabriel about making it back inside the sanctuary. He pulls a walker in through the door and says that they can play dead ones across the courtyard, I think is what he says. And uh, Gabe tells the story of locking his congregation out of the church and says how he works every day to make up for that and uh, be of service and have a purpose. So he again asks Negan to confess and offers him a pardon and full absolution. So at this point, Negan tells him about his first, his, his first wife, his only real wife, as he calls mm -hmm. her. He says before the zombie apocalypse, he's, he lied, he screwed around on her, but she was sick and she died after the zombie apocalypse happened. And he says he couldn't put her down and that's why he is weak. He loved her too much. Right, exactly. So Gabe considers this, uh, I guess, a true confession and an admission of Negan's weakness. So he comes out, he opens the door, says that he's forgiven, hands him his gun, and Negan punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I must admit, I found a little bit comical because he just opens the door and says, you're forgiven, wham, right in the nose. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, the sound effect was also kind of comical. Yeah, there was a little bit of uh, cartoony punch noise there. Then uh, did you notice, uh, you don't watch it with uh, subtitles on it. Eh? I do sometimes, but I don't every uh, every week. I did not yeah. in this case. Subtitles said punch. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't say blam or whammo. <laughs> no, it's like, really, did we need a subtitle? It's like it was in brackets, so it wasn't actually text or you know some, something somebody said yeah. but Punch. i thought that the visual was pretty apparent but apparently uh no we need you know it's it's describing the sounds and i guess that when the punch was thrown that we needed to know that there was a punch sound as well punch yeah punch is a good word because it kind of sounds like like what it is yeah onomatopoeia it's called yeah exactly like slam bang plop pow, plop zip plop very good punch <laughs> kerplunk Exactly. You got it. So uh, he comes out and they start putting on their stench coats because they're going to walk through the dead to get out of there. Yep. Poor Negan has to ruin his leather jacket. His beautiful leather jacket. I'd have taken the leather jacket off and hung it up on a hook and then uh, uh, put the stench coat on my white t-shirt. And come back for the coat, the leather coat later. Leather jacket. That's right. Later. Yeah. So we go to a commercial. When we come back, we have Gabe and Negan. They make some noise. They open the door and let the zombies in who just ignore them and start filling up the trailer. So that's what they want. Cut outside. They are going through the zombies like shoulder to shoulder. Like this is the a tight crowd of zombies. This is like a, 
a concert in a small venue that's overcrowded and they're they're squeezing around. What? Oh no, just I'm playing the play by play and uh the worst thing in this episode happened just as they were coming out of the trailer. It was one of the zombies just completely hamming it up for the camera. I think that was intentional. I think he was uh, I know supposed it was intentional, to be a featured but zombie. It was I kind of liked I, it. No, it was so bad. It was so bad. It reminded me, remember when we used to do the zombie walk in Toronto every year? We'd film, uh, yeah. you know, the zombies all congregating and then walking down the street. Yep. Uh, Good times. They all hammed it up for the camera, right? They wanted to be the feature zombie and they came up to the camera and roared and like, oh my God, it's a camera. I got to do something for the camera. It just reminded me of that. It was just... I, I can't stay silent. It was so, uh, it so took me out of the moment that it was, it was horrible. I mean, it was I, bad. I admit he kind of looks right at the camera. Maybe if he hadn't looked, does he look at it? I, my memory he does. is. He it's just totally hamming it up for the camera. Yeah. I'm surprised this made it into the episode. I don't know, man. I, 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 I wish he hadn't looked at the camera, but I, in a way I sort of liked it. I thought it was a good looking zombie, so. Feature. Well, obviously, or he wouldn't have gotten uh, close to the camera, but yeah, yeah. it's just hamming it up so much. It was so blatant and so obvious, and it just, it made me feel awkward and took me out of it. Uh, it was author intrusion. It was just, it, it's even interjecting into our podcast here. It's, you know, <laughs> becoming a featured moment of- uh, When it shouldn't uh, be. Yeah. It, right. just, it was so awful. It was the worst thing in this whole episode. By no like way. leaps and bounds. The Daryl Rick stuff was the worst thing by leaps and bounds. Anyways, uh, they're moving through. It's very tight. Ignore the feature yep. zombie. Gabe trips, falls down, and the zombies kind of start attacking him, but they end up fighting their way to some stairs. So Negan is hitting people with the bat. Gabe is shooting people, or I should say shooting zombies. And, you know, they're covered in the gore, so maybe they're protected a little bit, but they're not acting like zombies. They are fighting their way through basically and they get to some stairs going up to i guess a door in the wall and it seems like some zombies fall down onto them yep but we don't really see what happens instead we cut into the meeting room the lieutenants are there they're sitting around the table and gavin is saying that they were due for a delivery but nothing has come up the roads he says the outposts must have gotten hit and um then laura I think her name is Laura. She busts into the room and says that the workers are coming up the stairs. Oh my God, the people are rebelling. Yeah, they're not supposed to come up off the ground floor. Uh, so everyone goes into the hall and Simon addresses the big crowd and says that you guys are supposed to stay on the ground floor. What are you doing up here? <laughs> and they say that it's too hot and they need power and water and you know they're not being treated well. And they argue about things and then question whether Negan is dead. Somebody pulls a gun, but Regina shoots him and threatens to shoot some more. And just at this point, we hear the whistling again. So we know it's Negan. He's coming down the hall and everybody in the place kneels down. Yeah. So just so you know that if you fire a shot into a simmering mob, yep. it doesn't calm them down. No. No. It so, does not. But that's what happened here. Somebody pulled a gun. Regina shot them. Everybody's like, whoa, I guess this was a serious situation now. We better think about what we're doing. Yeah. Absolutely would not happen. No. It, they it would be pandemonium. Yeah, pandemonium. They would have rushed and attacked and people would have been trampled and yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 
Moving on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so Negan and Gabe come around the corner and he says he needs a sandwich, a shower, and a massage, basically. Maybe all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> who, who doesn't want to eat a sandwich in the shower while you're getting a massage? Not so sure. No, it's too many. I don't like to mix food with other things. Right, right. Showers, for example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or massages, really. Or massage. Yeah, I just, I'm not a big, uh, you know, mixing pleasures. No, because both of those things are good, but not together. Yeah. Well, he says, uh, you know, after that, he says he's got to talk to his right-hand man about how, how all this happened. Did he mean Simon? I think he means Simon, right? His right-hand man. Uh, he might have been talking about the masseuse. <laughs> His right-hand masseuse. I don't know. Uh, and somebody- Or maybe the... he was talking about uh, Father Gabe, because he's got to find his special purpose. Oh, he does. He's got to look for it. This is going it. all kinds of weird. It all is. Right. Uh, anyway, someone in the crowd says, thank you, Negan. Thank God for you. And uh, Negan asks, uh, he asks a couple of his guys to gently take- Gabe, Father Gabe, to number two. I mm. guess that's a room somewhere, like a cell. Yeah, that's where you, it's like the bathroom. Yeah, okay. I think it's a cell. We go to commercial and when we come back, they are around the meeting table again. Negan's all cleaned up now. He's had his shower, I guess, his sandwich and his massage, and he's wearing another white t-shirt, very clean. And Regina throws a bag on the table and says, the good guy, the good news is they figured out where that asshole's gun came from. Right. And she means the guy in the hallway, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, but the bad news is they're ours and it was stolen from the armory. Mm. So bad news. Now they're talking about how to find out who did it. And Eugene notices the same red paint on the bag as he got on his finger by touching Dwight's chest figure earlier this oh, episode. A clue. <laughs> yes. Um, and Dwight and him share a glance. So... Explain this to me. So does Eugene understand that Dwight is the double agent here? And Yes. And and how, how does that work because of the paint on the bag and the paint on the figure? Because if the paint was wet and the paint transfers, uh, there's paint on the bag. So who has paint like that? Dwight has paint like that. So the bag had stolen guns and yep. and it had paint from Dwight. And therefore, Dwight was involved in stealing the guns. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, they, you know, he looks over at, uh, at Dwight and Dwight is, has noticed the paint on the, uh, on the bag and has noticed that Eugene was very, you know, stealthily looking at the red mark on his thumb because yep. he doesn't wash his hands very often. And uh, so he's looking rather guilty. Mm -hmm. So now they're in cahoots. Yes, they are. Well, they Which, know. I don't want Eugene to go. I don't want him to backslide to being a double agent. I wanted him, uh, you know, fully committed to being Negan. You wanted him to die as Negan. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think is going to happen anymore. Now they're going to be in cahoots and they're going to, uh, they're going to launch a rescue plan for Father Gabriel and Doctor 2.0 that we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so. I'm a little disappointed in the way this is going. Okay. I, I, I can see that. I kind of am with you. I wanted to see Eugene stick to, stick to his guns here. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, I do. but it doesn't really seem like that is going to happen. 
we before we get back to them, we we go to Rick. He's walking through the forest on his way to the scavengers, and he sees a helicopter fly overhead, and he looks confused. Well, he he would be because he was looking away from what we saw uh, at uh, mid season last year uh, when we saw the helipad at the uh, the scavengers compound. Mm-hmm. So they're actually flying friggin' helicopters. Or- well, why would they have a uh, completely cleaned off helipad. I guess so. I guess so. But I don't know. I'd be, if I was Rick, I'd be confused too, because Jesus, that's a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a helicopter. And, uh, well, yeah, you don't see that very often. I mean, we saw it, uh, a while ago. That's right. But... We saw a helicopter way back in Atlanta, remember? And then yep. we saw a helicopter crash at one point. Yep. And that's when we went, met, uh. Merle. Uh, Merle. That's right. Yeah. Has there been another helicopter? Oh, there has. There was in uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. Well, that's true. There was an airplane and stuff like that. Yeah, but that was early on in the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we go back to the lieutenants. They're leaving the meeting, and uh, Negan tells Eugene that if he solves the zombie problem outside, he'll make him very, very happy. Mm-hmm. He also says that if he tries his best but doesn't figure it out, but Negan knows he tries his best, he'll kill him quickly. So he doesn't have to suffer when he sees what's going to happen when they run out of food and, and all the things they need in the sanctuary. He's a, he's a nice, uh, he's a nice leader. Yeah. He's either, got, he, that's right. Either way, he's saying, I've got your back. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got your six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Um, back with Rick, we see a scavenger up on the wall. He sees Rick approaching and he blows a whistle, I guess, to alert his buddies. Yeah. And then the last scene in the episode, Eugene goes to see Father Gabe with a pillow. He knocks on the door and he says he's there to welcome him to the sanctuary and stuff like that. He doesn't get any response from the other side of the door. So Eugene unlocks it. He goes in and he finds Gabe sweating, sweaty and very sick looking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Father Gabe says the reason he's here is to get Dr. Carson, Maggie's doctor out and back to her. And he kind of passes out mumbling a little bit and we're done. The end. Yep. Dr. Carson 2.0. That's right. Uh, so Father Gabe, is he bit? Is he sick? Having a fever? Is he about to die? Uh, well, I don't know if he's bit. Uh, but he's obviously got some kind of food poisoning. Maybe he ate too many entrails of zombies. Well, when they were putting the stench coat on, Negan does make a comment about, you know, well, he explains what it all is, you know, in graphic detail. And then he says, people get sick from this. Right. So is father, like, did father Gabe get bit though, during the scuffle, getting back to the sanctuary? Um, and if so, he's not long for the show, I would think. Or is he just sick? Like, is he just have a fever and is ill and will get better? It's hard to say. Hard to he, say. Yeah. All, all we know at this point is that he has a fever and he's sick. And that's a dangerous situation to be in, in the zombie apocalypse. It is. Because even that's if That's a good way to get stabbed in the head by a friend. Yes, it is. Even if you don't, you know, uh, even if you, if you just get sick, even if you're not bit, you might not recover because you don't yeah. have medical attention and so on. Um, but was he, and I, I also think he was kind of just hallucinating when he was saying, we got to get Carson back to Maggie because that's not what they came there to do. He doesn't know no, anything. He's just like, oh, I'm a delirious and that's what I think I'm here to do. It could be. 
or you know, it could be, you know, plot points being added for some reason that they didn't think of earlier. Well, I don't know. I mean, he 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 certainly didn't stay behind to execute this plan, right? No. He got left there and he got stuck and so on. So I don't know. I think he's just uh, delirious and coming up with crazy things. But I'm also curious to find out whether he is going to survive. Uh, I really, really don't know at this point. I hope we don't have to wait too long to find out. Uh, but this was a good episode for Father Gabe. And if he does die, I won't be too surprised, to be honest with you. Well, if he does die, I'll be surprised that he didn't die in this episode. Because this was a hero episode for him, right? Yeah, it was a little bit, yeah. So maybe they're just uh, they're ramping him up to die. How many episodes we got left in this half of the season? Uh, six, seven, and eight, three. So three. So yeah, he'll be dead by the end of the, uh, by the end of the year. Yeah. I, th- I think you might be right. I think father Gabe might be on his way out. Um, but you know, I just, I just don't know. I don't know if he's bit. I think they want us to believe he was bit in that fight, but I don't know. I think he might just be sick. Maybe he's just been thrown down in a dirty moldy room and it's getting the better of him. Yeah, I've been, you know, licking asphalt for a week and a half. Uh, You know, you're going to get sick. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. All right, man. So here's the funny thing about this episode, Jason. I was, I must admit, I was kind of dreading it a little bit because like you were saying earlier, I thought we were going to get way too much of Negan being Negan in these one-on-one conversations with uh, Father Gabe. But I am happy to report that I think it turned out really, really solid. And this is maybe, like, I really like the first episode of season eight. But this episode is definitely my second favorite, or maybe even better than the season premiere. I was really surprised by this episode, how much I liked it. I liked it too. I thought it was a really solid episode, except for a couple of glaring things, like uh, zombies hamming it up for the camera. But uh, overall, a, a good effort. I think that the, uh, you know, solid acting by everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I much enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I, you know what? I think it doesn't quite, nothing in the premiere annoyed me as much as the Daryl and Rick fight in this one. So that whole scene knocks this down a, a peg for me. But everything else I thought was really, really good. And uh, Negan, boy, as long as he's sitting down... <laughs> he's he's totally scary and uh i'm glad i'm really happy about that all right well that's the episode if you have some thoughts on it you know send us your questions and thoughts and and we'll get to a lot of that on our feedback episode later in the week but uh first we're going to take a quick break talk about our november charity push and when we come back read your holy crap moments so stay with us
All right, Jason. Well, we are two thirds of the way through November, and that means we've got about 10 days left in the month for our charity push. And uh, I think I'm hoping we're going to make a big, big strides to uh, raising that dollar amount uh, before the end of the month so we can donate a big pile of money to the Canadian Cancer Society. And I'm hoping with American Thanksgiving coming up in a few days and Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all the shopping that gets done on those days that um, people are going to be excited and feel really good about using our Amazon links when they do their shopping so that a little piece comes back to us. But this time it's not going us. It is going into a really good cause in the Canadian Cancer Society. So tis the season for named shopping days. That's right. There are many of them. There are many of them. And if you're doing your shopping at Amazon, please visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon, or just go to the website and click on Amazon at the top. And then uh, click through to the Amazon store of your choice before you do your purchases and all the of the cuts of the of the that those purchases that come back to us are going to be redirected straight into the Canadian Cancer Society and we're hoping to make a nice big donation to them. So shop in any store, we'll add up the total at the end of the month and uh, it'll all go to the charity. So once again, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon before you do your shopping in Amazon. And uh, we really appreciate everyone who is participating and look forward, like I said, to amassing uh, a nice big chunk of change for them. That's awesome. I'm I'm super excited to uh, to see what we're looking at at the end of the month. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm I'm hoping we have a a, a nice big finish, you know, here that mm-hmm. uh, uh, not that it hasn't been going well, but you know, push push through to the end. Do it. crap did you see that all right let's read some holy crap moments what do you think i think good thoughts about it chris please continue i will first one comes from james in pittsburgh pennsylvania beautiful pittsburgh and uh james says holy crap gabriel is worthless i get that he's a priest i understand he has no backbone but how the hell is he dumb enough to stand that close to negan when he tries to shoot him is it just in the priest handbook to stand close behind an unsuspecting victim before pulling out your gun? <laughs> I don't know if that's a joke or not, but I'm going to just take it at face value. You mean but, the Bible? Because isn't that the priest handbook? Uh, that would be the priest handbook, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it has any information about that in there, but the point is he, Negan had the gun in his belt. So yep. Gabriel had to sneak up behind him, try to grab it and then shoot him. Uh, I feel like if he got his hands on that gun, it wouldn't have been that hard to miss the shot, but Negan's a quick guy. Yeah, he's a quick guy. There's a machete in that room somewhere too, right? There is? Yeah, because Father Gabe had a machete when he went in there and uh, Negan took it off of him. Oh, right. As well as the gun. So I don't know what happened to that machete, but they forgot all about it. Yeah, I guess it's not there. So whatever. It's probably still in that room. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Uh, okay, Gemma in South Wales writes, my holy crap, has Gabriel been bitten or is he simply having heat sweats from bad air, air conditioning at the sanctuary? Do you think he'll die? And 
We don't know. Well, he will die. He won't die in the next episode, but he'll die two episodes from now. So what you're thinking is they're going to do a little like bait and switch on us here where they, they do his hero episode, he survives, and then it we feel like he's getting better maybe and he's going to survive even longer and that's when they kill him. Yeah, that's when the uh, uh, the building will collapse on him. It's going to come out of nowhere. Like it's not going to be a big buildup where Negan is going to kill him because he can't find his special purpose. Uh, it's just, it's going to be some kind of <laughs> event that happens that just comes, it's going to be a jump scare. Right. And he'll be dead. And he'll be dead. Well, Much okay. like uh, Dale in uh, the end of season one. That did come kind of come out of nowhere, didn't it? Or was it season two? It was the beginning of season two. It was season two. Yeah. 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 Carl yeah, it was a bit of a jump scare. It was awesome. But... Car- remember, Carl was experimenting with the zombies. He didn't kill a zombie, and then that's the one that got Dale. Yep, that'll that'll teach him. It will. Always kill the zombies. Yeah, that'll teach Dale, that's for sure. Yeah, that's right. So Adam in Texas writes, did you see that filler fight? Rick and Daryl <laughs> needed to, ju- to fight just long enough to fill about four to five minutes of the show, then explosion, and it's back to the plan. Yeah. Except that the explosion invalidated the whole plan, in my opinion, and that's what I didn't like. Well, I don't know if the plan involved uh, having to get the guns. It's just, I think that was a nice to have uh, target of opportunity kind of thing. No, I think the whole plan was to get those guns. It was to, number one, bring the zombies to the sanctuary. Number two, attack the outposts, kill a bunch of guys, and collect the heavy weapons. And then they did. And then these two butt munches started punching each other and blew up all the heavy weapons. Well, you got to have a plan B, right? Yeah, I guess so. Maybe the plan B is going to be Daryl now going to explode the wall, except the dynamite's gone, so. That's like the guy from the A-Team always says, I love it when plan B comes together. (laughs) Is is that what he used to say? No, he said, I love it when a plan comes together. Oh, okay. (laughs) You got to make adjustments because not everything goes according to plan. It's funnier the other way. Yeah. (laughs) I love it when plan B comes together. Uh, all right, Anna in Wales writes, this is totally obvious, but holy crap, a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I but told you. You did. You were talking about that helipad, like, quite a bit. And yep. here we go. Now it's actually a thing. Sean on the internet writes, along the same lines, holy crap, helicopter. I really hope they do this one right. Last time it was just such a throwaway plot element. I'm hoping it's a new faction that is key to the peace future Rick is enjoying. Nope, but close. Nope. <laughs> it's going to be a thing. It's going to be a scavenger helicopter and Rick's probably going to blow it up somehow by doing something stupid. Yeah. And they have a bunch of dump trucks too. That's got to come into play somehow. Garbage trucks and dump trucks. Garbage yeah. trucks. Uh, yeah. Not dump trucks. Garbage trucks. A whole bunch of garbage trucks. Uh, they're going to be troop transports. I'm telling you. They probably will be. Seems like that's what they were already uh, used for a little bit. Well, yeah, absolutely. So. That's what um, Hellboy uses. He gets around in garbage trucks, yeah. Yeah, good times. <laughs> uh, Noop J on the internet writes, holy crap, the kingdom is gone? What did that mean? Just that their faction is eliminated and their uh, soldiers cannot be counted as an asset? Or did I miss something and the kingdom was hurt worse than that? That's just the soldiers. Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, it's the just people the people are all still there hanging around. They are. Um, most of them seem to have lost family members, but yeah, I think it's just the soldiers. Uh, but that's important. I mean, they are at war and they no longer have any of the kingdom's soldiers who, to be honest, were some of the most prepared and capable, like fighting people 
they had. So that's a pretty big loss. Yeah. You know, you know when you come face to face with a 50 cal, uh, you can plan all you want, but oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty heavy weapon. Yeah. Uh, Laprell in New Orleans, Louisiana writes, holy crap, the saviors would fall apart without Negan. When they thought he was dead, they were literally minutes away from total anarchy. But I thought it was interesting, Negan talking to Father Gabe, telling him this very thing as an example of humanity being hopeless. I think in reality, he just knows he has his people so badly brainwashed that the revolt would happen without him. Or so, maybe he's a micromanager and just makes every decision. And therefore, when the uh, decisions need to be made, nobody knows how to do it. Right. He's, well, Simon seemed to be pretty capable, but even he wasn't sort of, you know, in the scene with Negan. Like, even Simon wasn't entirely sort of up to speed, almost, it felt like, right? Negan yeah. has this vision of things, and he had to stand up and yell at everyone to remind them what they're trying to do here. So you could be right. Negan could be making every basic decision for these guys um, other than, you know, go run your outposts and make sure you're collecting stuff. That's right. Just keep keep it going. Uh, but what do you think? I mean, do you think that it would totally fall apart that quickly if Negan was actually dead? Uh, power vacuum? Yeah, it would happen. Yeah. I think that uh, there would be a lot of infighting like there was. Uh, you know, I don't think that, you know, if somebody shot Negan, say Rick... If if he ever gets an opportunity to shoot Negan again, uh, <laughs> that uh, and takes it, that there'd be a bit of a power vacuum, and I think there'd be like all kinds of infighting rather than uh, immediately lashing out because this collective would get around their table with nobody at the head and go, okay, what do we do now? Well, we gotta go lash back at uh, we, you know, we have to uh, avenge Negan. It's like, oh no, but we got these other things, and it'd be like they just, you know churn up time and not get it, make any decisions and nothing would happen. And then Rick would come back and finish them off. But I think, I think, uh, there's a point to be made there though, because it did seem like they were making the wrong decisions, right? Like they turned off the power on everyone. It was important that scene with, uh, uh, Eugene playing video games and the power goes out and then everyone comes up, they're up there revolting because like you turned the power off on us. We need power. We need yeah. We need water. We need these things. If if we're going to work for you, the deal is you provide for us. Yeah. And the first thing they do is turn off the power. Now, I understand they were trying to conserve, conserve their resources because they were surrounded by zombies and no new stuff was coming in. But where's their power coming from? I mean, probably uh, gas burning generators. So I guess they would be quickly running out of gas. But if they were smart, they'd have some solar. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is the first thing they did was turn off the power and piss off yeah. all the people, which was, seems like the wrong decision. If you're going to get people to, uh, if you're going to do that to people, you got to get community buy-in before you actually, you know, turn off their power. You yeah. have a meeting and say, okay, look, we got a situation. Uh, we have to, uh, you know, we have to tighten our belts. We have to uh, buckle down and try and we have to suffer through this. First thing we have to do is conserve power, water, and food. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go on half rations. We're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And you get community buy-in before you actually just flip the switch. And then when they revolt, you go, well, we got to, you know, tighten our belts. So, yeah. You know, that's, that's bad leadership. That's, uh, yeah, you got to get buy-in before you do that kind of shit. Right. So none of these people knew to do that. None of them thought, 
let's at least tell the people what we're doing. Uh, keep them complacent for a little while, right? That's all they need to do. Yeah. Instead, they just flick the switch and everything goes out. And yeah, and ever, no wonder the people are revolting. Yes. <laughs> so I, anyways, my whole point is I think that none of them are capable of running the place like Negan was. So it would fall apart pretty quickly if he was actually dead. And then any of these other you know, Gavin or Simon or Dwight or anyone had to step in and try to run the place because it doesn't seem like they were capable of doing it with any. Yeah, there'd, there'd be factions. There'd be all kinds of factions and infighting uh, until somebody established power. It's typical when you have uh, an organization that's tightly controlled from the top, uh, you know, that's rigid like this and they get taken out. There's a, there's a power vacuum. Right, right. Yeah, and 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 maybe they'd end up just decimating themselves too much. If there was too much infighting, they'd all just kill each other and there'd be hardly anyone left. Yeah. Which would work. That's why a a good military organization uh, has, is able to deal with this kind of thing where you teach the, your job to the person below you and in, in the rank structure and you learn the job of the person above you. Uh That way, if there's a situation where that person isn't there anymore, somebody can take up the slack without, you know, missing a beat. That's right. I should uh, adopt that policy at work. You should. <laughs> learn to do my boss's job. You should learn to do your boss. You should dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. Oh, I don't even dress for the job I have most yeah, of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you work at home. If you put on pants, it's a lucky day. I remember going, I, I went to a job interview one time where I wore shorts and that was on purpose because if I... Couldn't wear shorts at the job. I didn't want that job. <laughs> Fair enough, man. You <laughs> dress for the job you want, and it wasn't that way. I, well, I got the job. Oh. <laughs> Hated it, but I got the job. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, let's move on. Mike in London writes, holy crap. Did you see that terrible episode of The Walking Dead? The whole thing was one long, boring board meeting. It was just like being at work, listening to people droning on and on. Not so much... The Walking Dead as The Talking Dead. <laughs> See what I did there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I sure do. The only moment of interest in this whole hour-long episode was a two-second shot of a helicopter. Everything else was garbage. I think the conversation between Father Gabe and Negan was good. Yeah, I 100% disagree. I'm sorry, Mike. I thought everything in this episode was amazing except for the ridiculous fight. So, yeah. uh, And yeah. that rarely happens at meetings at my work. Uh, what? I'm not saying it doesn't happen. The fighting. Oh, the fighting. Right. The fist fights. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> saying it never happens, but I'm saying it rarely happens. Rarely. Very good. Yeah. And the meetings that I have, I know they have, they were around a, a boardroom table, but uh, there was surprisingly few mugs of coffee for a typical meeting at work. That's true. Actually, there's always coffee on the table. Someone always has a coffee. I always have a coffee on the table when I have a meeting. Yeah. Of course. You need something to drink. <laughs> I have a coffee right now. I know. Uh, if I had coffee now, I'd stay up all night. That's the problem. I love it. Matt. It doesn't keep me up I know. for some reason. That's weird. I don't, know. I don't know why. I think my sleeping problems are due to drinking more tea, like caffeinated tea in the evening. So I'm going to try stopping that. My, uh, my, my sleeping problems have to do with uh, stopping breathing while I'm sleeping. Well, I have that problem too, but that's a whole different thing. You also have a you know, a one-year-old that's keeping you up too. So you got a lot of things working against you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tired. Uh, Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey writes, holy crap, Eugene is still terrified by Negan. He was practically in the fetal position when Negan was slamming the bat down and asserting his authority. Yeah. And it's true. He is 
scared shitless of the guy. But I'm pretty sure it's called the fecal position, though, isn't it? Nope, fetal. You, sh- you sure about that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> fecal position might be something else. <laughs> uh, and and I got one more here. Well, actually, I got two more. This comes from Michael in London. I don't think it's the same as Mike in London from a couple ago. But he, Michael writes, my holy crap for this week is, holy crap, what the hell was Eugene on about? This puts my cockney rhyming slang to shame, and I'll have to get off my plates of meat and rest my ham and eggs at that episode with Eugene's rabbit and pork was hurting my loaf of bread. Would you Adam and Eve it? <laughs> and then he sent a translation. <laughs> okay, go. Thank God. Translation. I got some of it, but not all of it. <laughs> Do you want to read it again? Here's the translation. All right. Good. Holy crap. What the hell was Eugene on about? This puts my cockney rhyming slang to shame, and I'll have to get off my feet and rest my legs as that ap- episode was Eugene's, with Eugene's talk, was hurting my head. Would you believe it? <laughs> and he's right. They really Eugene'd up Eugene in this scene. When was he, he too Eugene? It was too much. It was too Eugene. He, it was. When he was talking to Dwight... I'm like, dude, slow down and use some normal words because I'm having a hard time following you. I didn't have a hard time. No. I knew what was going on. I think they Eugene'd him up a little too much. And I like the character. I think he's super entertaining. And when he talks, like he's got a very unique way of talking, but they just took it a little too far in this one. I'm not sure. I think that he just had more words to say than he usually does. Mm, yeah. Because every time he opens his mouth, there's something coming out of it that is just a slightly off way of putting whatever he's trying to say. Yes. But this time, the same thing happened. Every time he opened his mouth, it was just kind of one of those weird sayings. But he had more of them because he had more to say. Yeah, but he just strung them together and spoke faster than usual. And I, I feel like it, uh, I don't know, I, I, I had trouble following it sometimes when he was just going on a little bit. So I think they just, ramped up the Eugene a little too much in this one. All right. The two Eugene to Eugene. They did. They did. Uh, all right. One more here. And this is a call from John in Deal UK. And I hesitated with whether I should play this one, but... Uh, you I'm, sound hesitant. I'm going to do... You, you said you have one more. Ah, two more. And now you're <laughs> you're hedging and uh, well, just play the damn call. I'm going to play the call right here. Ah, <laughs> uh, good times. <sighs> oh, sorry about that. I was in a meeting. Oh, holy crap. Did you see that <laughs> Negan wasn't? Well, he was. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, we do, John. Thank you. <laughs> Negan was actually in a meeting just like you weren't or were. That's right. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right. I thought it was funny. Yeah, good. I'm glad you played it. Nothing like a good toilet flush. Yeah. All right. Thank you, John. And thank you to everyone who sent in your holy craps. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode. So, of course, we will be back later in the week. Now, as I said, I'm traveling for work, but I am due to be back at home sometime on Thursday afternoon or evening, right just in time to record the feedback show. So that's the plan for now. But if something changes or I'm delayed, I apologize. We might have to push it to Friday. Jason, I hope that's okay with you. But if not, we'll figure something out. Friday is the 24th. 
I have absolutely no plans, so fine. Okay, perfect. <laughs> you might have plans now, but we'll see. We're I'm aiming to do it on Thursday still. I figured cool. the drive home, I can, uh, you know, read the feedback and get organized and stuff like that. Anyways, that's coming up later in this week. Of course, if you need to get in touch with us or would like to send in your comments, you can do so by sending emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or visiting the website website and clicking on send voicemail at the top and then recording right into your computer and it'll get emailed straight into us. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And please, please remember to use our Amazon links when you do all your Black Friday and holiday shopping and uh, everything we generate for the month of November will go straight into the Canadian Cancer Society. So you're helping us out with our little charity thing and it's for a really good cause. So uh, visit the website, click on Amazon at the top and then buy to your heart's content. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and that's it. Uh, if you've got nothing else, Jason, we'll wrap it up right here. We'll be back on Thursday. And uh, until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Okay, I got, I got one more thing. I got one more call, Jason, from Mark on the internet. I forgot Mark, about Mark, this. Mark, Mark, Mark. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Mark says, um, question, why did God give drummers one more brain cell than horses? A drummer joke I haven't heard? Why? Answer, so they don't shit on the street during parades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I knew that at the time of doing that. <laughs> Yeah, Mark wrote that in and I wanted to include it. And he, he said before, he said, listening to the feedback show and hearing Jason talk about horses and parades, it reminds me of one of my favorite jokes. That's a good joke. <laughs> so kind of went out of order there with the, uh, with the email, but I thought it was funnier that way. So that is funny. Good. Oh, there's lots of good drummer jokes. What do you call somebody who hangs around with musicians? A drummer? A drummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I got bass player jokes too. What do you call a bass player without a girlfriend? Homeless. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite drummer joke when I, uh, back in the day was, uh, how do you know a drummer's at your front door? Cause he, the knock is uneven. No. Cause he's got your pizza. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Nothing against, you know, pizza delivery people, but you yeah, know. <laughs> what did the drummer say to the singer? Uh, you want me to play this too fast or too slow? Right. I got it. <laughs> I heard, I know a similar one, but I, I can't remember it about, um, how do you, something like, how do you know when it's time to fire your drummer when he comes to you and says, Hey guys, I, I wrote some songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, so, Ringo Starr wrote songs. He did. He wrote Yellow Submarine. He did. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but he's, he's a special Get by case. with a little help with your friends. The, uh, he had a song on every album. Did he? Yeah. Interesting. Ringo Starr biggest hits. Let's see what Google says about this. Top 10 Ringo Starr, oh, solo songs. No, no, no. No one's ever heard those. <laughs> uh, Ringo, oh, he wrote Octopus's Garden on Abbey Road. Mm -hmm. You could probably guess that. Um, not a lot else from Beatles albums here. Anyways. Yellow Submarine. It's a good song. It is a good song. <laughs> <laughs>